What up, guys? It's Bobby. I'm back for round two of the PED podcast. Uh, so, as I was editing uh, it together uh, after I took the break, I kind of realized that this was a really long podcast. When I was putting it together, it was like an hour and a half. Uh, so, I decided to split it into two. So, uh, that's why we have two segments of the podcast. Uh, it doesn't really affect the content at all. I just wanted to split them into two. So the first podcast I talked about uh, pharmaceutical grade uh, or um, or current, I guess, uh, pharmaceutical targets for PEDs, uh, and then in this segment I'm going to talk about SARMs or other uh, non-pharmaceutical grade or non-FDA or uh, approved substances that we can use or that people use for PEDs. Uh, so that's kind of the delineation uh, that I split them into. Uh, as far as intro and plugs for this uh, segment, uh, the same plugs as last time. So uh, first is Paragon Recovery. Uh, use the code Coronas15 for 15% off. Uh, use them for uh, their recovery supplements and their sleep supplements. Uh, I love their company and what they do in terms of helping me sleep and recover better after my training. Next thing is applying for the Corona Scholars. I actually talked to Sean, and we are going to push back the application date for Corona Scholars. Uh, we're going to push it back to the end of September just to get some more applicants in. Uh, so, as so, please, if you're in school or uh, about to start school or know anybody that's in school, let them know or apply for the scholarship. Uh, we are literally giving away free money. Uh, so. Uh, if you don't want free money, that's cool. Let me get some of your money. Uh, otherwise, uh, if you are starting school and want some free money to help with school, whether it's buying books, helping with uh, um, books, rent, groceries, whatever it may be, uh, apply for the scholarship and get you some free cash. Uh, and the last thing, uh, leave us a review, comments, share us on Instagram, share us on social media. Uh, just let us know how we're doing, uh, ways that we can do better. Uh, this is, at the end of the day, this is for you guys. I don't really, um, it's not really, I guess, in my best interest to be spending my time talking to you guys. Uh, there are, I think, multiple other things I could do with my time that I would rather do. But I enjoy teaching and sharing some of my experience with you guys and helping you guys out with your journeys uh, in, in your life. So let me know what you guys want to see, things that you can, I can do better, things that Sean and, and I can do better, what you don't like, and what you do like so that we can keep doing the right thing. Um, so without further ado, let me get into this podcast about SARMs and non-FDA regulated, uh, or non-FDA regulated drugs that we can use for performance enhancement. All right, guys, I'm back. Uh, took a quick break, got some coffee, something to drink. Uh, I actually started drinking this uh, Kitu Super Coffee. Uh, got it at ShopRite, uh, but I've seen it at Whole Foods. Uh, I know Whole Foods has it. Um, pretty much it is coffee that they mix with protein, whey protein, and um, some coconut MCT oil. Uh, it's got 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is pretty significant. 
um, but it's got 10 grams of protein, 5 grams of fat from MCTs, uh, and then 1 gram of carbs. It's got pretty good, uh, pretty good macros. I think it's designed for like, keto people, uh, but it's pretty delicious. So I'm just I try to sip it on this uh, super coffee, uh, Kitu super coffee, uh, pretty solid drink. Anyways, so before the break, kind of covered a lot of the pharmaceuticals that are, are tried and true PED pharmaceuticals. Uh, like testosterone, testosterone uh, modulating agents, uh, HGH, EPO, and beta 2 agonists. So now I want to shift into the SARMs and other peptides. And these are going to be the more, the kind of the newer uh, substances, or new PEDs, in terms of the le- lesser studied and less known about substances um, because they're newer. Uh, before I get into um, SARMs, I really want to take a second and talk to you guys about clinical trials um, and what clinical trials are because this kind of shapes uh, the SARMs and what we know about SARMs and kind of the development of the SARMs. Uh, so just bear with me real fast. I'm just going to go through um, the FDA process of developing a drug to bring to market and kind of the steps that are involved. Uh, and this comes into play when I talk when I talk when I, when I move into the discussion on SARMs uh, by discussing uh, what it means when it's in phase one, two, or three trials, and what that means in terms of uh, what the drug is doing uh, or what the SARM is doing. So in clinical trials, there are uh, five phases. The first stage is preclinical stage. Uh, so preclinical stage is when uh, this company or lab is testing this drug on animals uh, to see what it does. And this is when it tests for toxicity, um, effects, side effects, adverse effects, etc. cetera. Uh, basically, it's just seeing if this one if substance works and or substance slash compound works, if it has uh, and what its negative effects are and what it does to animals. And once they have good results from the testing, uh, the company will submit what's called an IND, or investigational new drug application to the FDA. Um, and then this is where they kind of lay out what their intent is with this compound, what they want to do to test it uh, in clinical trials. And then if the FDA approves it, then it's able to move from a preclinical stage into a clinical stage, which is a phase one, two, three, and four testing, uh, basically human testing. Uh, so once it's approved, after after the IND is approved, it then moves into human testing. Uh, so the first phase of phase of human testing or clinical testing is phase one. Duh. Uh, basically, in phase one testing, they're testing in a small group of, of participants. Uh, so probably around 20 to 100 participants uh, just to look at safety and dosing ranges. So pretty much this in phase one, they're testing to see if the drug works in humans. Um, so once they're testing, so in this phase, they are giving humans different drug uh, doses and seeing the effects of the drug uh, in humans. And then it's also monitoring for adverse effects or side effects uh, that occur with it. And this is pretty much in the first phase. It's just seeing if the drug works. So it is seeing... Um, if the drug is able to have effects in humans. Once it passes phase one trials and then moves into phase two trials, 
Um, in phase two trials, uh, it is expanded. So it's about 100 to 500 participants. And pretty much in this phase, they're looking at efficacy. And this is when they're looking at uh, comparing it to uh, an established regimen or a placebo. Uh, so this is when we talk about like randomized control trials uh, in order to determine whether or not this drug uh, is better than current therapies, current drugs, or if it's better than a placebo. So in phase one, they're just testing to see if it works in humans. So they're not testing whether how it compares to other drugs or other treatments. They're just seeing if it works. And then once they show that it works in humans, then they test on to see how it compares to other drugs. So you're then you're testing the efficacy. Um, and then this is when uh, they compare it to placebo or uh, current uh, or other drugs. Once it passes phase two trials, and then it moves to phase three trials. And then in phase three trials, uh, it is expanded into like 1,000 to three, 5,000 participants. Uh, basically, they're looking at side effect profiles and they expand the um, kind of expanding the scope of which they can look at um, negative side effects or other small, uh, more rare side effects that occur um, with use. Uh, so this is the last stage of uh, clinical trials. And then once it passes phase three trials, it gets sem submitted to the FDA for review uh, to where the FDA will then look at if it's the, based on the trials, if this drug is safe and if it's effective. And then once it's safe and effective, it is then approved. Um, and then it goes into phase four testing. And then phase four testing is when it's released to the market. And this is when the uh, manufacturers are kind of surveilling the uh, marketplace uh, for any other, like even rare side effects or rare adverse effects that come from using the drug. Uh, this is kind of common with like uh, some of the other drugs that people um, have been recalled and after they've been released on market because of like causing um, side effects or causing cancer or whatever. I can't, I don't remember any like phase four drugs that I've recently recalled or drugs have been recently recalled for um, post-marketing surveillance uh, due to uh, unintended side effects. But I'm sure there are plenty of drugs if you Google that have been recalled due to uh, adverse effects and side effects that occurred after it's been released to the market. So that's kind of the uh, broad overview of clinical trials and how the different phases of clinical trials and how each stage builds up to finally being released to market. So let's transition into SARMs or peptides. Uh, so what SARMs are, SARMs stand for Selective Androgen Receptor Modulator. Basically, these are substances that act on the androgen receptor, similar to testosterone, uh, but they're selective in that they don't affect all androgen receptors. So this is interesting because when we talk about uh, testosterone, we talk about both the anabolic and androgenic effects. We don't necessarily want any of the androgenic effects because it causes, they can cause like prostate cancer, it can cause like acne, test, um, uh, testicular atrophy, as well as some of the cardiovascular, uh, uh, the cardiovascular effects that we don't want that can cause you to die. But what we, we do want is we want the anabolic effects that testosterone provides. So the goal of SARMs is to find a substance that um, doesn't have any of the androgenic effects and has all the anabolic effects of testosterone uh, in order to reduce the side effect profile. Uh, pretty much uh, SARMs are uh, mainly investigated uh, are being investigated right now 
for use in cachexia, which is uh, muscle wasting due to the cancer or other uh, illnesses, uh, and including old age too. Uh, so pretty much, they look a lot of, a lot at like elderly patient populations or patients that are in chemotherapy or in cancer patients to help increase the lean body mass uh, and muscle mass to help prevent mortality and morbidity associated with um, having decreased muscle mass. Um, so as a result, there are multiple SARMs out on the marketplace right now. So I'm just going to talk about the kind of the common ones that I know of off the top of my head um, and give you guys some of the um, kind of where they're at right now. So a lot of the SARMs are actually have been investigated by, uh, have already been kind of done preclinical trials at least in all of these SARMs. That's why they could kind of noticed, quote unquote, noticed in the performance enhancing realm of like bodybuilding and uh, athletes. Uh, because once a lab tests in animals and is able to prove that um, this SARM causes uh, increased lean body mass and strength, uh, people kind of notice that and say, oh, this might be good in humans to try. But that's kind of the uh, bad thing about these about SARMs is that these all these SARMs have not been approved for humans yet. Uh, they're all in either preclinical phase one and maybe one or two are in phase two trials. Uh, so they that's where they are have tested on like maybe a hundred to two hundred people uh, to see side effects profiles and to see whether or not these drugs work. And then some of these drugs haven't even been tested in humans yet. That's kind of the big thing that's uh, the big drawback to SARMs is that while they are newer uh, and quote unquote legal right now, uh, that you can buy them uh, online, uh, you have literally no idea what these things or these substances do long term. Uh, so the first one I want to talk about is Osterine, uh, also known as MK2866 or Enobosarm. Uh, this is of all the SARMs. This has been the most well studied of all the SARMs. Uh, it's past phase two trials uh, for increasing lean body mass uh, in patients that are uh, in like elderly patients. I want to say uh, so. It's the only drug that of all the SARMs that has passed phase two trials. So that means it's been tested in about 300, 300 to five hundred participants. However, it failed phase three trials. Um, failed phase three trials because it wasn't able to prove um, a good side effect profile uh, and efficacy in terms of better than uh, other uh, substances that are being used for cachexia or increased lean body mass. So right now, it's still in phase two trials for your uh, stress urinary incontinence. Basically, uh, it has effects on the levator ani muscles, uh, which are also which are the muscles in your pelvic floor that are also responsible for that are also responsive uh, to androgenic uh, androgenic effects. So the SARM has uh, some androgenic effects, and that it increases the muscle mass of our pelvic floors. Um, so it's a decent side effect profile, uh, but mostly related to. Um, affecting endogenous testosterone hormone levels, causes slight li elevated liver enzymes, um, and uh, decrease in sex hormone binding globulin, uh, so then decreasing the total testosterone or hormones you have in your body. Of all the SARMs, Osterine is probably the uh, safest to use in terms of it doesn't have a, a great deal of uh, negative side effects. 
and it's been pretty well studied. You can Google or PubMed Osterine slash Enobus arm or your MK2866. You can find a lot of studies that show kind of the side effect profile that comes with uh, Enobus arm slash Osterine. Uh, so it's probably the most well studied of all of them. Uh, so that's probably one of the ones that are probably better to use uh, compared to the other ones. Uh, but like I said, it has not been approved for uh, FDA has not been approved to pass phase two trials uh, or pass phase three trials that failed phase three. So that means it tells us that it's not 100% either uh, efficacious uh, and that it has good results or is that it has a negative side effect profile. And I didn't actually dig into why it failed phase three trials, uh, but just something to note that it uh, has not been approved by the FDA for use uh, in humans. So as a result, kind of you should be aware when you take this stuff. Uh, and that's kind of the um, big thing with a lot of these SARMs, that all these SARMs haven't really been tested extensively in humans, and we have no idea what it can do to some people uh, or some or like long-term effects of these uh, SARMs. Uh, the next SARM I'm going to talk about is Ligandrol or LGD4033. Uh, this, I think, passed a phase one trial uh, and that it was compared to placebo um, and that it was well tolerated it caused a increase in lean body mass that was dose dependent uh, it had a dose dependent as well as suppression of testosterone sex hormone binding globulin and free testosterone uh, suppression uh, so while it had some androgenic effects or had some uh, anabolic effects in terms of increasing lean body mass. It also has some significant androgenic effects in the fact that it suppresses your own t endogenous testosterone level and also causes a decrease in HDL or good cholesterol inside your body. Uh, so of the uh, SARMs, this has also been semi-tested in that it shows that um, it does cause increased lean body mass, but it has not uh, been studied extensively to figure out side effects or um, uh, negative effects associated with their long-term effects. Uh, the next one is GSK2881078. Uh, this is a newer SARM uh, that I actually didn't know about before. Uh, this passed phase one trials recently uh, that showed a significant increase in lean body mass, but I found it more so in women, uh, that women almost had a double in lean body mass compared to men. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that, um, that with this arm that um, this might be one for women to use to increase lean body mass uh, without virilizing or androgenic effects. Uh, it was fairly well tolerated according to the study. Uh, patients had an elevated liver enzymes, they decreased HDL, increased LDL, reduced testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, and also kind of, and also interestingly enough, decreased thyroid hormones, which this is the only time that I know of that has um, decreased thyroid levels. Um, so this is an interesting SARM, uh, newer SARM that I don't... Uh, uh, that's past phase one studies. Uh, I didn't see if they started phase two yet, um, but the fact that passed past phase one and was uh, showed a almost double in lean body mass uh, increase in women was kind of interesting. So this might be one that uh, women can use as a SARM. Uh, 
the next one is PF0626014. Uh, I just have the past phase one trials and they haven't even begun looking at lean body mass itself. Uh, so it's like a newer SARM that um, might have future uh, applications uh, in uh, anabolic effects. Uh, next is Andarine, also SARM. It's less potent in animal trials. You have uh, Andarine, I think it's like S4, also called S4. Um, but this is uh, also a SARM that has some effects, but it has been shown to be less potent than uh, the other SARMs, so less potent than uh, Osterine or LGD4033. Uh, the next one is RAD140. This is also another SARM. Uh, it passed uh, animal studies, so it passed the preclinical trials and was submitted for IND approval to the FDA. So right now they're preparing for phase one trials. Uh, I pulled up the paper for RAD140, and it was kind of interesting. They tested it in, uh, in monkeys, and they actually didn't show a statistical significant increase in lean body mass in monkeys. However, they had a small sample size. They only had three monkeys that they tested it on. But even then, they still weren't able to show that... Um, Rad140 had effects in increasing muscles uh, or increasing lean body mass. Uh, so amongst all the SARMs, uh, I would probably say that uh, Enobosarm or Osterine is probably the number one to use because because it has uh, the most uh, studied. It's been the most well studied. It has shown that it does increase lean body mass in humans without significant side effects. Uh, LGD43 is also another decent one uh, that shows uh, good effects in humans. Let's pass phase one trials. Uh, There's overall a uh, pretty good compound that I would uh, rec uh, would take a look at. And all the other ones I mentioned uh, are newer ones that haven't been very well studied. Um, GSK2881078 is interesting in the fact that it almost uh, increases the lean body mass more so in women. So this might be a good one for women to try. Uh, but as far as Andorine or S4 and Rad140, it was probably like kind of the lesser tiered SARMs that I would mess around with. Uh, the next peptide I want to talk about is GW501516, also known as Carterine. Um, so Carterine is interesting. Uh, I actually dug into this one a little bit more. Uh, Carterine was a uh, is a PBAR delta agonist, uh, which that means is a peroxisome proliferated or activated receptor. Basically, what PBAR delta does in the body, uh, it increases the fat metabolism and increases uh, the ability for bodies to process fats and break down fats. It was eventually and initially investigated in the 90s as an anti-obesity drug. Uh, basically, when they tested it in mice, it showed that mice had improvement and uh, reduction in fat, uh, were able to exercise more and increase their endurance more testing on like uh, treadmill running with, with mice. So in the 90s, it was developed like Glass, GSK, Glasgow, SmithKline, whatever it's called, um, but it was abandoned uh, in the, in the mid-90s because of the fact that it caused colon cancer in their mice. Uh, but... Just as a caveat, when they tested the mice, uh, they tested them at three milligrams per kilogram per day for mice. So that's like a huge dose. Huge dose. That's like dosing 200 milligrams a day for a human being, for the average size human being. Uh, so 
that's why it was abandoned because it showed that it had cancer uh cancer promoting effects uh but there's more literature now in the last couple years that's actually looking at anti-cancer effects where it decreases cancer in some animals uh so kind of the books the science is still out there on uh carterine whether or not it is um aphasious or if it causes cancer or not but what we do know is that carterine does increase the um, endurance uh, level uh, when you take it, basically because it increases the ability to burn fats and increases fat metabolism. So it increases fatty acid oxidation, thereby increasing the amount of energy that you have so you can do more work and recover quicker um, after uh, exercise. Um, overall, I think it is a pretty interesting drug, um, but the fact that it never made it to phase one trials uh, is interesting uh, and kind of causes some concern because of the cancer or oncogenic effects that it might have, but it also might be uh, oncoprotective or protect against cancer. So the science hasn't really um, made a decision on whether or not this is a good compound or a safe compound or not, um, but what it is good for is that it does increase the ability to exercise and increases your endurance capacity. Uh, so it's a good compound to take a look at if that's something you're interested in. Uh, so of all the SARMs, that's kind of a quick once over of the SARMs and peptides. Uh, I'm there. Are, I'm no. I know there are more out there and more compounds out there, uh, but these are kind of the bigger ones that I found uh, in my literature review. Uh, the ones that are more studied and are that are uh, have good effects in humans. Um, there are multiple. I know there are multiple other ones out there too. Uh, if there's a compound that you haven't that you found that you're interested in. Uh, I'll definitely take a Google search and see uh, what you find on, on the Google and the interwebs. Uh, look at PubMed. PubMed's going to be your uh, your most high credible source uh, looking for published articles or published studies. All these like anecdotal uh, reports found on, like bodybuilding.com or like some of the online message boards probably should not be taken, or at least taken with a grain of salt. You should probably should do your own due diligence with, with these substances. Uh, so just kind of to conclude and to kind of go off and kind of give you guys my conclusions on PEDs. So I think with PEDs, uh, they offer um, kind of a lot of benefits as long as you understand the negative effects of it. My fear, this is, what, this is kind of like I, why I don't recommend taking anything because um, it everything there's nothing that's free in the li- in, in life. Like nothing comes uh, free, like no benefit comes without um, any corresponding negative effect. Uh, that's why I say medicine, like a lot of doctors, it's, like my mentors have told me that nothing's free in medicine and that uh, if you want something, you have to pay a price in something else. So like, with like a lot of these gains or a lot of these effects that we want to get, like increase in muscle mass, increasing in strength, increasing performance, we're sacrificing something else along the way to get to that point. Uh, so that's my, kind of my biggest takeaway uh, is that nothing is free and that when you take these substances and this is medicine and this is medicine in general not just uh, performance enhancing drugs but when you take a medicine you're always going to you're trying to weigh the balance the risk benefit best yeah, weigh the risk benefit analysis and whether or not the benefits of the drug are worth the risks that are associated with the drug and it's totally dependent on each individual patient or each individual person whether what your um your um what's the word i'm looking for your uh comfortability with dealing with risk 
and what you're able to tolerate. So I like to come from a harm reduction perspective. In medicine, we talk about um, reducing harm uh, in that uh, I am not like, uh, I'm not an idiot. Uh, I, I, my goal is to give you guys some information and let you guys make your own decisions about your own life and what you want to do in terms of what's what if you want to take PED is like um, at least have some background information and understand the risks that you're uh, taking on when you take these substances. So as a, from a harm reduction perspective, I want you guys to be at least somewhat educated and understand some of the negative side effects that are associated with some of these substances that we talk about. Um, so my biggest thing is that you guys need to do your due diligence. Like this podcast, um, there's a lot of good information in this podcast, but it's like literally just like a once over like, uh, introductory level, uh, informational session about a lot of various PEDs. And there's more, if you dig into the actual individual, like drugs, like, um, I glossed over, uh, anabolic agents, like testosterone, we talk about all of them. But each individual uh, steroid um, anabolic agent has its own side effects as well, not just from an overall side effect. Uh, so you definitely need to do your due diligence with these substances, especially these pharmaceutical substances. Uh, and then especially from a SARM perspective, the, th- the issue that I have with SARMs is that one, uh, they're not very well studied or understood uh, substances. Like with testosterone, testosterone has been around for like decades. Like we know like what testosterone does in human beings. We know like the effects of it, the metabolism of it, like long-term effects of testosterone because it's been around for so long. However, with the SARMs, they're all so new within the last decade. Uh, we know that there have, that we know the benefits of them because we've only tested them in like 100 or 200 people. So we know that it does have some anabolic effects. But we have no idea of is the some of the side effects and long-term effects of taking these substances, uh, like with carterine talking about increasing the increase of colon cancer, colorectal cancer. With the other like SARMs, there's been no studies, long-term studies into um, if these cause cancer in the long term, if they cause like any other um, negative effects in the long term. That's kind of like the the big thing that I sh- uh, am not a fan of with SARMs. Is that you have no idea what uh, what the long term effects are of these substances. Another thing with SARMs is that the way that you buy SARMs. So because SARMs aren't uh, considered uh, a, are on the DEA schedule for class agents, like uh, testosterone is like a class two DEA, I want to say, where it's controlled substance and that you can't you have to have a prescription for it. With SARMs, you can buy them like on the online from any shady supplement store. But the issue is. You don't know what the fuck you're taking. Uh, you're literally like, you're if you're buying from a supplement store, like you think you're a supplement store that like has them locked up behind a glass like glass window. If you think that's the the star you're buying is one pure or two isn't tainted with something else, then you are foolish and you are just lying to yourself. Like if you with the, the pharmaceutical grade stuff, like testosterone. At least you know you're getting testosterone because it's a pharmaceutical grade, so it's approved for use in humans. One, it's approved for use in humans, and two, it goes through stringent like uh, uh, lot number, like stringent production criteria, testing, and like purity standards. When it comes down to the non-pharmaceutical agents like SARMs, you literally have no idea like how it's produced, where it's produced, what it's produced with, the purity level of it, how much you're actually getting 
what else it comes with. There's just so many questions that you have no idea what's just, like what it, you're getting with these SARMs. So that's why I struggle a lot with SARMs and like recommending them to people because it's literally like you're rolling the dice every time you take it, whether it's like the batch that you're taking, uh, the supplier that you get it from, the company that you get it from, and like if it's tainted with anything else. Like for all you know, the SARM that you the SARM that you're taking could just be like testosterone or like a pro hormone that they just put into with that SARM, um, and that you're getting the results because you're just taking testosterone. Like you have you have you just have no idea what you're taking. And that's kind of the biggest thing with SARMs that um, it's not regulated, it's not pharmaceutical grade, so you just don't know what you're doing. And like, unless you're like in a lab where you can test uh, what you're getting, uh, you're not going to be able to, or even if you submit it to a lab and pay like the hundred dollars, hundred hundreds of dollars to test a substance for purity, or like a test a supplement for purity and uh, chemical agent uh, components, you're not going to really get um, an accurate. Uh, feel for, or accurate understanding of what you're paying for and what you're getting so that's the thing with SARMs like you just don't know what you're getting where it's coming from and what else is uh, being uh, what else is tainted with or what else it comes with um, and the next point I want to make is that if you do start taking uh, some PEDs you need to get a good doctor and what I mean with a good doctor is you need to find a doctor that uh, is willing to work with you on these substances uh, I'm not saying that like I, I highly doubt every doctor is going to be like, yeah, it's cool. You can take testosterone or it's cool. You can take steroids. Like I'm down with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm pretty, I'm sure that like most doctors aren't going to support that. Uh, and will probably tell you not to take that stuff. But from my perspective, if I was a doctor, which I will be next year, if someone came to me and said that they want to take steroids, well, I will definitely try and help them, uh, along that journey, uh, and take them, from a healthy perspective in terms of uh, minimizing the side effects and negative effects and just uh, trying to optimize the results. Uh, so you probably, if you want to get go along the PED route and start taking these drugs, you can find a good doctor um, that will be comfortable either one, prescribing them for you or two, helping you uh, monitor side effect profiles and getting like blood chemistries and kind of monitoring uh, everything as associated with uh, PEDs. Another thing that you can do is go to like the, some the anti-aging clinics, quote unquote anti-aging clinics or TRT clinics, where these doctors are pretty much specializing in uh, testosterone and other sub uh, other pharmaceutical grades uh, drugs to help with. Uh, maintaining healthy testosterone levels uh, so these doctors will probably uh, be a much better source in your neighborhood uh, family medicine and primary care doctor um, next thing I want to talk about is that I kind of mentioned already is that you're a grown-ass adult uh, if you listen to the podcast uh, if you're an adult you're an adult and you're able to make your own decisions but you just have, need to be educated on the decisions you're making and you have to do your due diligence and doing either the research or talking to people or figuring out exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, as far as why you're doing it, don't be a cheater. If you're competing in sport, uh, I find it, I mean, don't be a cheater and don't be a piece of shit because if you're a cheater, you're just cheapening. One, you're cheating and two, you're just cheapening the experience for you when you win. Um, like you don't want to win something because you cheated at it. Like you, no one wants to, you like that just cheapens experience for you and you're not going to get as much out of it as if you like train for something, uh, cleanly and, uh, did it from a right perspective, if that makes sense. 
so don't be a cheater and then just be make your own make your own decisions but you have to understand uh and weigh the costs and benefits of both decisions and whether or not you choose to take something or don't choose to take something uh another thing that i kind of big on is not taking anything before you're kind of an adult i don't define really adulthood as 18 i mean legally we define adults as 18 but uh science does tell us that uh you don't finish developing until probably like 24, 25, especially from a brain perspective. And that we know that anabolic steroids uh, will negatively affect brain development and kind of uh, cause neurotoxicity. Um, I know people or I know of people that start taking anabolic steroids in high school and then they kind of fuck them up uh, in terms of they're like kind of fucked up in the head uh, from using them uh, when they were young. So I would definitely not recommend taking any PEDs until like 20, you're like 24 or 25 years old and your body is really finished developing because um, we know that a lot of these substances can definitely affect how your body matures and develops, um, especially like testosterone and anabolic steroids can definitely affect how your brain develops and how you mature as an individual. Uh, so kind of the big uh it's just to reiterate my conclusions one do your due diligence two uh don't be a piece of shit and a cheater uh be a grown-ass adult that uh understands the risks and benefits of every decision that you make uh understand that nothing is free and that uh everything has side effects whether that positive or negative and that five, don't take anything um, until you're 24 or 25 and have finished developing both uh, from a physical, mental, uh, both from physically and from a cognitive perspective. Um, you don't want to mess with how you're developing and cause lifelong, um, cause lifelong effects. Uh, so this is a pretty long podcast. Hopefully you guys learned a lot from this. Uh, as always, you can uh, hit us up online hq or email us hq at cronusfit uh, on email uh, on our website cronusfit.org uh, or uh, hit us up on instagram at cronusfit uh, both sean and i are getting kind of busy uh, with the academic year sean's deaf in law school so we talked a little bit about how busy he is with law, uh, his school work and then i'm actually uh, my schedule is a little more variable because uh, I'm on a rotational, uh, different rotations. So some months I have more time, some months I have less time. Um, I'm about to take off for San Antonio uh, this week. So I'm going to uh, be on a month of like relatively less time and free time to, to interact with you guys. Uh, but we will always try to get back to you guys. Uh, it just might take us a little bit longer than normal uh, as we get kicked off in the academic year. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or comments. Uh, this is a pretty touchy subject. Uh, so definitely if you're interested in learning more, hit us up. Or if you want to get our perspective on a lot of things, just hit us up. More than happy to let you know what you guys think. All right. Until next time, guys. Catch you guys later. Peace.